the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. My next guest has served as a fellow in European policy studies at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and senior research fellow in geopolitics and foreign policy at the Heritage Foundation. He's a life member of the U.S. Council on Foreign Relations. He's authored and co-authored a total of 14 books. His newest book, The Last Best Hope, A History of American Realism. He is John Hulsman. John, thank you for joining me. How are you? It's great, Sean. Great to be on the show. Well, it's an interesting topic that your your expertise is in, and that topic is exactly what's really at the forefront of what the future of America will be based on the past failures as I see it. And I'm wondering if you feel that way, that the past failures in political profiting versus the ideals of capitalism and business and trade have corrupted the future opportunities of uh, future capitalism and trade. Sean, I do. I mean, one of the things you left off on my glorious titles is that I've run a political, a global political risk business for 16 years. And after I left Heritage over my disagreements with the neoconservatives over the Iraq war, I did what Republicans used to do in the old days when they were out of favor. I went abroad and they made a lot of money. Um, I started, I, I knew you'd like that. I started a business from nothing. Unlike everybody else at the council and all the other people you named, I have to make a budget and a payroll. I run one of the largest global political risk firms in the world, and I much prefer my private sector clients to the public sector. If you're right about geopolitics in the private sector, they pay you a double and invite you back. If you're wrong about something like the Iraq war, they give you a job at the Council on Foreign Relations for the rest of your life and there's no accountability whatsoever. And I think that's exactly why I wrote this book, to try to remind the base of the GOP and the conservative movement that realism started with George Washington, and it's taken it a long way, and to quote the Beatles, it's time to get back. I agree. And when you look at the failings, let's just stick on the topic that was a, was a stone in your shoe and, 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 a, and a meaning uh, for you to change your life. Let's just take a look at the fact of the Iraq War. Do you think the American people understand the, the kind of profiting that was done in the name of that war? No, and I remember at the time uh, thinking to myself, you know, it was pretty clear, and I wrote, you can go back, the great thing about the internet is everything you write has a time and a date on it, and I said at the time to folks at Heritage and elsewhere while the neoconservatives took over the Republican movement, I said, look, these are not conservatives, these are Robespierre's. They want world revolution. They want to try to impose democracy on people they don't know anything about at the point of a gun. The last Iraqis these people knew left Iraq in 1958 when the Dodgers were playing baseball in Brooklyn. (laughs) This is not a good road to go down. It's going to cost a trillion dollars. And the one thing I can say to any audience now when they talk about the neocons and where they write 
is do you want your trillion dollars back? And of course we do. We've got to stop giving money up for wars that don't matter for American national interests and create a foreign policy fit for actual Americans. John, I couldn't say it better myself. And the reality is we are still sticking the fork in the light socket, although it's not really we. The part that really irritates me about our system, our so-called republic, is all you really need to do is get 535 plus uh, president and vice president, 537 people on board, and you can rob the American people of trillions of dollars. And we've been down this prairie path, time in and time out for decades since World War II, and nothing ever happens. We never learn from past mistakes. That's exactly how I view Ukraine. And I know I'm going out on a limb, but I think you view it the same way. Would I be right? You're absolutely right, Sean. I mean, look, the same people... Let's name them. I mean, let's hold people accountable. At least after the Vietnam War, the Kennedy people had the good grace to drink themselves to death. Yes. There was accountability. Robert McNamara, who I met at council, was a ghostly figure consumed with guilt for what he'd done. He paid a terrible price for his mistakes. McGeorge Bundy, the most arrogant of National Security Council advisors, and that's saying something, never got to be dean of Harvard. These guys had accountability in their profession for their abject failures. On the other hand, Max Boot became a, a, a fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. Anne Applebaum went from writing sinecure to writing sinecure. David Frum now says, I, you know, I was right all along about Iraq. Uh, Bill Crystal is still out there pushing candidates for president who want to engage us in wars everywhere, all the time, all at once. These are the very same people selling us Ukraine. I'm a historian, Sean, and if you don't learn from history, history will manage you. If we list, don't listen to people who are abjectly wrong about the most important geostrategic event of the era, and we now accept when they say, trust me, we're fools. Fool me once, shame on them. Fool me twice, shame on me. For some reason, the American people do not want to look at the very history of not just our failures, but the history of corruption in these countries that we are throwing the trillions of dollars into thousands and thousands of lives, let alone when you include those people who were maimed in Iraq. It's staggering. And when you look at all of that we've done in the last 25 years, I don't know how you come up with a way to quantify the destruction to the American people. I mean, we could point at the debt, but it's convoluted in our own domestic corruption. So uh, there has to be something we agree on. And I, I really do believe that 80% of the American people believe that the Iraq conflict was the way to learn and never repeat it. Yet here we are in Ukraine. And I think it's going to be the exact same thing, only more terrible, because what we're doing is, is, is creating the death and destruction of generations of life in Ukraine. And when you go back to Donald Trump in 2019, I didn't like a lot of Donald Trump before he became president. I loved his foreign policy. Absolutely loved it. Because none of these kids would have died. None of them. Let alone the hundreds of billions stolen. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree. Look, Donald Trump got one huge thing right. He said, we have a chapter about this in Last Best Hope, comparing it to something John Quincy Adams said, who set up our Monroe Doctrine. No more stupid wars. Don't fight wars unless primary American interests are at stake. And, and let's run the list of failure. Somalia, Haiti, Bosnia, Kosovo, Afghanistan, Iraq. Time and time again, the other members of the Council on Foreign Relations, Wilsonians on the left and fake rightists like the neoconservatives said, 
we know better. These people want to socially engineer Americans and they want to socially engineer the rest of the world and they're terrible at it. And that record is one of abject failure and I would just list these failures and they would basically be frothing at the mouth at me. And look, you're right about Ukraine. It's a country I know. I've been there many times. I stopped doing business there because I didn't want to break any laws. The only way to get anything done in Ukraine is to bribe somebody. And I didn't want to do that. It's dishonorable. It's terrible for them. It's terrible in Kuroju. That's why I didn't do business there. I know it well. It's one of the most corrupt places on the earth. There is no accounting for the money that's gone to Ukraine. These this hundred and fourteen billion dollars in total. And the Democrats at the moment are not allowing a simple audit of where that money's going. Why? The only question that matters in foreign policy is why. Why won't they allow an audit? Because, of course, they would find out that a large portion of that has been diverted to nefarious purposes. It hasn't stopped being corrupt. It is not some model of democracy. Zelensky's not George Washington. For goodness sake, they've suspended having elections for the course of their war. You might contrast that with Abraham Lincoln, who was losing his re-election campaign in 1864, but said it had to go ahead anyway, because if you weren't going to fight for democracy by practicing democracy during a time of crisis, what in the world are we doing? Ukraine simply fails on both counts. Now, you have the experience of, of, of being there and seeing that it didn't always have to be that way and that many people were disappeared, Ukrainians were disappeared, who tried to uh, fight the corruption of Ukraine. And yet, for some reason, there was a, a, a vehement acceptance of this country. And I'm wondering, is it just due to propaganda? Because one of the things you, you mentioned earlier were Somalia and you mentioned Haiti. You didn't mention Yemen, but all of these were stones in the shoe of Barack Obama. These are still places we're involved in to this day. How has the Biden administration been so successful in uh, managing the American media and turning it into a Pravda the year 2024? Well, I mean, I will say one of the major differences, and look, when I was at Heritage, we always knew that it was two against one when we did interviews in the mainstream media. It was the Democrat, you were the Republican or conservative, there was the liberal, and then there was the moderator who would side with the Democrat. But at least you were allowed some space to talk. The difference now is night and day. They go in as active armed members, the, the mainstream media of the Democratic Party, full-time propagandists who aren't even bothering to, to even give you any pretense of, of neutrality. And as a result, the media's popularity is about that of Charles Manson right now. And the reason for that is the American people know that they're only telling one side of the story and a flawed side at back. And as much as they want to save President Biden, they can't, because what's going to come out in all this is that Hunter Biden, who has no known skills whatsoever um, at all, except living off his father's name and trading influence. And the best the Biden people can say is, well, we didn't really trade influence. We fooled the other foreigners about trading influence. But Ukraine is one of the places where he made a fortune doing nothing. Do we really think that he and his father, as, as Joe Biden said, never at Christmas or Thanksgiving ever discussed what he was doing for business and that this never involved what he did? Well, we know it didn't. At Council on Foreign Relations, Biden said that there were people that, that he wanted removed from the prosecutor's office as vice president under Obama, and he got him removed. It's on tape. It's there for everyone to see. If we put this together, the corruption that tails the Biden people around is there for everyone to see. The question is, are we as a republic going to let him get away with it or not? 
Well, one thing, John, that I, you know, I, I've been here while well, you've been uh, abroad making money. And one thing I can tell you as a Chicagoan, ex-Chicagoan, as I am in exile right now. But one thing that I, I, I can tell you is I, I believe the real situation we face is that we have a tremendous percentage of the population that knows it's a scam and wants in on it. So in other words, Chicagoans know that the Chicago Democrat Party is a mafia. They just prefer to be in it. They want a ghost job. They want a phony deal. They want the love and affection of the mafia, i.e. the government. This is something that I think is a bigger problem. And I'm wondering, as somebody who specializes in global political risk, your whole firm is built on global political risk, where you tell companies and people if they, it's worth it to invest their money or if the governments are so corrupted, they have a very good chance of the governments seizing the money. Do I have it about right? That's exactly right. Okay. So when you see what you just witnessed in New York City, once a capital and a mecca of finance and business, when you see that America has devolved into a Soviet system where politicians can openly persecute, not prosecute, persecute somebody because of their political agenda. Would you tell a company, invest your money in a Democrat-run sewer, once great city like Chicago or New York? No, uh, because they're, as you say, they're corrupt socialist countries, and I make my life studying corrupt socialist countries. Uh, one of my great pleasures in my life while at Heritage is I got to know Lady Thatcher, and I'm actually mentioning the acknowledgement page uh, of her last book, which was a great source of pride to my father, who decided maybe that education was worth it after all. And one of the things she said to me that I'll never forget is socialism will always fail because they end up running out of other people's money. Yeah. As you say... There's a corrupt, rentier class. A lot of people want to be part of that, but you eventually run out of other people's money in order to make it work. And that's what we see in Chicago, New York. I was just in San Francisco, one of my favorite cities growing up. And now I was told by the, by the group I was with, and I was there to give a keynote address, and the hotel guy was being kindly to me, and he said, you can't leave the hotel premises because you might be attacked by one of the homeless. This didn't sound like the homeless when I knew them back in D.C., but no. he said, oh, things have changed. Things have changed, sir. You're staying in the hotel. So while I sat under house arrest in the hotel in San Francisco, it occurred to me that if I were advising other countries on where to invest, I would not have them invest here because of the political dysfunction, the corruption, the lawfare, as you put it, going on. No, the country as a whole, yes, the United States beyond its government, still has a genius regeneration. Our growth rates are still the envy of Europe. But I would be very careful within that continent about where I would pick and choose to invest. And would I just say in a blanket way, invest everywhere? No. These one-party democratic states that have been democratic-controlled for three generations now, I wouldn't invest in nickel in. John, you and I have the blessing of being older, and I mean that because we were able to see America when it lived up to the principles and ideology of Americanism. Kids today don't. So the, the thing about Margaret Thatcher's saying, which I love, by the way, is that Margaret Thatcher was unaware of the kind of economic corruption of the American Federal, Federal Reserve. And once the government decides that it will protect that financial fraud and continue to bury generations in the future, it's evident to me that the ideology of the American government is not just to promote equality in, 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 in poverty, which is what socialism really is, but to, to constantly keep the scam going, and they're prepared and willing and able now through the propaganda wing posing as the media 
to kill any country that even talks about the corruption in our dollar. I believe that our conflict with the former Soviet Union, let's say Russia for now, is because of that. Russia and some other countries recognized the bastardization of the American dollar and the Bretton Woods Agreement. They recognized there was a runaway train that nobody ever talked about. And you call them neocons, you're exactly right. Because for decades now, not one Republican has talked about paying off the national debt, let alone living to it. So I think we're on the runaway train. And I'm wondering, does it end without nuclear? I, I hope that it does. But you're right about the debt. One of the things that, that I say, neither party is for free trade enough. Nobody, even fair trade, neither party has any remote plan to cut the debt. That that I mean, the days of Jack Kemp and doing this, as you and I remember, are gone. And when I go to the Hill, as I do, no one's talking about deficit reduction. No one's talking about living within your means in a Jeffersonian way. And the point of that in a republic is that these interests are under control only when you pay your bills and live within your means. If you do that, you have a, there'll always be corruption in any form of government. Yes. But you'll be able to yeah. deal with that because there'll be so much capitalism and free trade and wherewithal going on that you'll be fine. But if you live beyond your means, these entrenched interests will keep wanting. And this was true of the First Bank of the United States. As you say, back to the beginning, this was true then, that if you if you assume the debt, you're going to have interests that say, let's have more of that. Yes. Let's have more of that. The problem is these interests now run both parties, including my Republican Party. Anyone who would talk to me about deficit reduction, about living within our means. We have a one of the comments I make to European freeloaders on NATO is that no one ever mentions at any of the cocktail parties I'm doomed to go to that we have a thirty four trillion dollar debt yeah. that we have to take care of that, that we have an opioid crisis, that we have an educational system teetering on the brink of collapse back to the kids. My interns don't know the basics of the American story and they want to do foreign policy for a living. And they went to very good universities. I'll protect the guilty because I'm fond of them by not naming them. But they know a fifth of what we did. We have all these problems that we must deal with if we're going to make America, as Reagan said, a shining city on the hill. And we have a chapter in our book about that, that America as example is lost in the neocon fantasy of let's double down like a drunken gambler in Vegas. We've lost the kids' college money, so let's keep playing. Yes. And that's where we are. We have to reverse that mindset. And, Sean, you're right. It's a mindset, and it is corruption itself. John, you make me feel good because you're still out there. You're still writing books, and you're consulting people. And that's that's really the brightest spot is that you're out there doing this. The, the book is The Last Best Hope, A History of American Realism. Now, where can the people go to keep an eye on you? Because I think, uh, you know, you're fascinating, and they should keep in touch with you. Oh, thank you, Sean. I mean, I run a sub stack that just has my name, John Holtzman. Uh, it's booming, thank God. And as you say, that makes me feel good. And I think a lot with our community on Substack, which I write on incessantly. And we'd love you to join. And the book is it can be bought anywhere you go on Amazon. And it's doing great because I think people are thirsty to hear this message of ours, Sean. Oh, I agree. And I think once they figure out the scheme that the the kind of money we're talking about and how this this group of anonymous people never produce anything, don't own anything, don't manufacture anything, and make trillions of dollars a year. I think that's the fascinating hook. John Holzman, thank you very much for making time for me. I truly appreciate you. Sean, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments.